0: our show, Sleepover Sleepover Cinema, Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early
1: 2000s. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the
0: very often made for TV movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are?
1: Today, we are talking about 2003's Uptown Girls. Are you really Tommy Gunn's daughter? I can't believe it. <laughs> Molly Gunn was a rock and roll princess. I'm a fan of your father. Thanks. Who led a charmed life. What was that? He was going to be my curry dinner one night. In a world. It's like. Uptown Girls, just kidding. I wish.
0: Are you excited to be talking about Uptown Girls today? Yes, period. <laughs> As we've discussed, I remember literally nothing about this movie. I think I
1: any of these. Movies.
0: <laughs> I feel like I've maybe seen this movie one or two times, and it was like when I was probably twelve.
1: I don't know why or how I've seen it way more than that. We didn't have it on DVD or anything, no. so I don't know why.
0: Well, it will be a fun adventure for us. Yeah. Considering that I have no idea what we're going into. <laughs> so we'll start with the facts about this movie. Uptown Girls premiered on August 15th, 2003, which I was shaking upon discovering that this movie premiered the same day as none other than The Cheetah Girls, which we talked about last time. Yeah. So uh, the impact of summer 2003 continues to be <laughs> felt on this show. <laughs>
1: The waves are reverberating to this day. The (laughs) shockwaves.
0: Literally. Uh, And this movie was directed by Boz Yakin. Uh, He was also an executive producer on this movie, which I found interesting. So he, this guy, Mr. Yakin, I'm going to call him. He is a writer, director, producer, very, like, Hollywood man-seeming person. He directed Remember the Titans, which... I just want to clarify. Basically, all the movies them. I pick. What? I said I don't remember them. <laughs> I don't remember them either. <laughs> but the reason why I picked it, and the thing I want to clarify is whenever I'm picking movies to like describe who these people are, I always just pick stuff that I know. So, like, sorry, world the this is these were the things I recognized out of his credits. Um, he directed Remember the Titans. He wrote Now You See Me, which oh. I'm pretty sure is like. That weird magician yeah,
1: movie? It is. These both of these are incredibly off brand as it would <laughs> seem. But Yeah. And it's he also Clearly he he distinguished the market and he decided to go after it, you know, for this movie. For what? Now You See Me? No, for Uptown Girls. Because, like, clearly oh, this yeah. isn't his, like, strength or necessarily his history. And he's like, yeah. oh, these are popular right now. Let me do this. Right. Well, I also think that this happened before either of those other movies. Oh, yeah.
0: Or it was, like, around the same couple of years. So who yeah. knows really, like, when production happened on which one.
1: Yeah.
0: He also wrote Dirty Dancing, Havana Nights. <laughs> What's – I know what Dirty Dancing is, but what is that? I've as? never seen it. I just know that it came out when we were kids because I remember seeing ads for it a lot. Hmm. So anyway, Mr. Joaquin directed this. There are four writing credits for this film, which I was intrigued by because most of the other ones we've talked about have had one to two. Or if there's three, it's because it was, like, developed from a novel or something like that. Audrey's gasping. (laughs) Do you know one of these people?
1: No, no, no. I was looking at the bottom of the page. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
0: We will talk about that, too. So... The writers for this film, we had Julia Dahl, who I put her name in bold because it seemed like she was the one who like has done the most, mm-hmm. so she is known for Uptown Girls, um, but also yeah. she wrote a bunch <laughs> of Party of Five episodes and West Wing episodes, and for some reason IMDB really wants us to know that she's 5'4", because that was the only <laughs> fun fact about her, was that she
1: was 5'4". Average height queen. <laughs> That's short, isn't it? I thought 5'3 was average. No, 5'3 oh. is short. 5, Yeah. Okay, well basically
0: <laughs> average height queen. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> She's my height. So I guess that's I mean, I'm five five, whatever. And then we had <laughs> Mo Agrodnik.
1: I honestly do recognize doesn't that name. that
0: name does seem familiar? But yeah. so I had written down because on the internet it said that he teaches at NYU film and TV or that he did at some point. I feel like most film people have taught at NYU yeah. film and TV. At uh, least as an
1: adjunct or something. Right.
0: Uh, He also wrote and directed two other films, but literally his IMDb only had two other things on it. So that was interesting.
1: Also very Tish.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Then we had Lisa Davidowitz. She wrote on a TV series, and that was it. It must not have been noteworthy because I didn't write it down what the name was. Oh, but she had a special thanks on this movie called A Price Above Rubies, which was the movie that the director seems to care about the most. Like, in all of his bios, he was like, this is my movie. So Lisa must have some sort of tie to Boz. And then we have Allison Jacobs credited for the story, and this is the only thing that she's (laughs) ever written.
1: So maybe she's an author. But it didn't say anything about her being like a... So they probably... I could just see this, like, she, like, sold the idea to, like, whoever. Do you know who produced this? I should know. I think it might be, like,
0: Paramount, but let me double check.
1: Like, I could just see them, like, buying the idea from her and then literally re-workshopping the entire story.
0: What's the point of doing that?
1: From what I understand, big studios, they like to buy script ideas, even if they're just, like, seeds of ideas, from writers so that they have kind of like a stock of ideas to pull from. And and then they own them. Right. And and that's, you know.
0: I remember them telling us about that in dramatic writing being like, if someone gets the rights to your play, they can't change a single word. But if someone buys your script, like, you're kissing it goodbye forever.
1: Like, it sucks because a lot of times I feel like writers are, they just need money. And so they're Mm -hmm. willing to, like, give a studio what they want and then – They lose the rights to that. Yeah.
0: The integrity of their story.
1: Yeah. Okay. We're just extrapolating, though. I have
0: no (laughs) clue if that's
1: what happened. So, the plot synopsis
0: of Uptown Girls, the one that I'm about to read, was written by IMDb user Lindsay. And this is what it is. Audrey, do you want to read it, actually?
1: Molly Gunn, the freewheeling daughter of a deceased rock legend, is forced to get a job when her manager steals her money. (laughs) <laughs> okay a manager. as nanny for precocious ray the oft ignored daughter of a music executive she learns what it means to be an adult while teaching ray how to be a child tagline and the tagline is <laughs> and this is way too on the nose <laughs> they're about to teach each other how to act their age Beautiful. Uh, and That's then, too long. It's too long to be a tagline. It needs to I be. I mean, lined. nothing will ever be
0: better than they've got one shot to show their spots. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was the best tagline
1: ever. It, it could have just been act your age or something. Yeah. 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 And
0: the cast of this movie has some heavy hitters. We have Brittany Murphy as Molly, we have Dakota Fanning as Ray, and then Heather Locklear as I'm pretty sure Ray's mom.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah.
0: I would just like to say that there's really heavy-handed use of complicated by Avril Lavigne in the trailer, and it just, it's art. (laughs) It elevates the trailer to ecstasy for me. Yeah. 2003, summer of 2003, we've already talked about this. We know what's happening in the tween cultural sphere. It's That's So Raven. It's Cheetah Girls. It's Lizzie McGuire. It's America's Next Top Model. It's Beyonce going solo. It's... Very girl power heavy, very commercial.
1: Yeah. um, Sugary.
0: Very sweet.
1: Yeah. Bright.
0: Bright. Fun. Yeah. Funky. So instead of talking about the pop culture of the time, since we've already talked about it, I thought that it might be a little bit more worthwhile to talk about where stars Brittany Murphy and Dakota Fanning were in the arc of their careers when this movie was happening. So... I'm going to let you talk about Dakota Fanning. Okay. Because it's all. There's not that much to say. Mm -hmm. So, Brittany Murphy, uh, I'm hoping that everyone here knows who Brittany Murphy is, but she was this very famous, very beloved actress who... Kind of made a name for herself in TV as a teenager and, like, Party of Five. She was on Sister, Sister as a recurring character, which I didn't know. And then, like, her big, big breakout moment was when she was Ty in Clueless, which is, like, one of the best roles, like, ever. And then kind of from there, she just got more and more famous. She was in 8 Mile with Eminem, which I didn't know, and I still haven't seen 8 Mile. I feel like it's good, though. I haven't seen it either. We should watch 8 (laughs) Mile. Not for this, but yeah, for
1: life. Something about it, I'm just like, I don't know. No, I want to see it. Dad likes it. <laughs> who? Dad.
0: Like, Dad I'm has... I'm sure a, he's not talking about, like, the Green Mile. Oh, no, I'm sure. No, Dad has, like, <laughs> recommended 8 Mile to oh. me before. So she was in 8 Mile, and then she only got bigger from there. She was in Sin City, which was, like, a really big deal in 2005. And she was just, like, a very beloved starlet who really, really unfortunately passed away from, like very vague and complicated causes on September 20th, 2009. Do you remember where we were when we found out? Because I remember. No. You and I were together. We were at our cousin's house, and we were playing outside. And, like, our Aunt Sarah was like, Brittany Murphy just died.
1: And we were like, who's that? I knew who it was. Oh, I don't think I did. It was
0: 2009, so I had seen Clueless and stuff. Maybe I had seen it, yeah. Yeah, which is really sad. And we could talk about Brittany Murphy, like, we could have a whole episode about her yeah. if we wanted. I she
1: I feel like she's one of those celebrities where people just like rooted for her,
0: and yeah. she's
1: so clearly a good person yeah. and just so like sweet. Yeah, and she's like good I feel good like at what she does, Brittany Murphy. I feel
0: like was what Jennifer Lawrence was trying to be when she was like trying to be like the awkward, goofy type. When we were, like, in um, high school.
1: Yeah. I would never equate those two. I don't know shit about Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> no one
0: does. <laughs> <laughs> I just think of her as being, like, one of the—you know when people are, like, I am so sarcastic when they're, like, not sarcastic as people?
1: Yeah. Like, I get that vibe from her. From Jennifer Lawrence. Yes. Yeah. I Yeah, I think, yeah, Brittany Murphy is just extremely authentic. and yes. And that's where they differ. And they differ in a lot of ways, but
0: that's only different. Okay, and then Dakota Fanning. Audrey, if you would like to take that. So, is this her, this can't be her first. It wasn't her first movie, but it was, like, her first, like, real serious part.
1: Yeah. Okay, so. I mean,
0: if we're going to say.
1: This is serious. She's serious in this movie. She's really good in this movie, in my opinion. So, yeah, this is Dakota's first big role, it sounds like. She had just been in the creepy Cat in the Hat movie. yeah. With Mike Myers. Yeah, which I don't think I've seen, and if I did, I blocked it from memory. Um, Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, and apparently her real name is Hannah. I did not know that.
0: Her real name is Hannah Dakota Fanning.
1: Oh, Dakota's her middle name? Yeah, Dakota's her middle name. Okay. At least it's in her name. (laughs) That's good.
0: Yes. So the legacy of this movie on Rotten Tomatoes was that it earned a 14% critic score and it earned a 60% audience score.
1: Yeah. Which to me... That means it's good. (laughs) That means
0: it's good and it also means that like this sort of movie at the time it was made probably was like either really tired to
1: critics or just like it's just the kind of movie that people shit on because it's like a
0: woman's movie.
1: Yeah, especially... I mean, this is an 03. Like if like, Mm -hmm. you know, if people were feeling that way about like Lady Bird or like... You know, it's like, and that was only three years ago, then certainly critics would not be taking this seriously whatsoever. Right.
0: I was shook, though. Like, I ended up going through and getting Rotten Tomatoes information for every movie we've watched so far because I was like, how is it possible that this movie has such a big disparity between these two ratings? I found that interesting. So I guess this movie lives on in the hearts of the audience, like, kind of well. 60% isn't even that good. Uh, But from 14, it is. uh, Well, right. Critics were not having it. Yeah. Which is sad.
1: And uh, generally, like, when thinking about this category of movies, I don't think, if you asked a lot of people our age, I don't think they would come up with Uptown Girls because it's just a little, they'd probably think of, you know, the DCOMs first. Yes. Camp Rock, High School Musical, like those types of things. Um, Hannah Montana, before getting to Uptown Girls because it's an MGM movie
0: and it's, it was, like, harder to get to. Yeah. I feel like this movie was probably as equally accessible as, like, New York Minute was.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, it was it like was a that. little harder for uh, us to, like, get to, I think. Yeah. I think so. Okay, Audrey.
0: What are some things you remember about this movie from childhood?
1: I have no clue when I saw this movie the first time. I know I was a kid, though. I just don't know when. But I've seen it probably within two or three years,
0: Classic Audrey yeah. answer.
1: I always look on my Letterboxd, which is, <laughs> if you don't know, it's uh like a social media type app where you can log the movies you watch and review them. And so every time I watch a movie, I log it. And I l- searched Uptown Girls. I was like, I must have logged it at some point in the past year or whatever, and I hadn't. So it's before I started logging on Letterboxd, <laughs> but not that long ago. Yeah. But as for things I remember, <laughs> I, like the first scene I always think of when I think of this movie is the one where they're in Ray's kitchen yelling at each other and Brittany Murphy goes to leave the kitchen and the swinging door. Like, she doesn't know it's a swinging door, so it hits her in the face. Yes. And that's like a beat. That's a really good beat. <laughs> it is a beat. <laughs> um, and uh, Dakota's little sunglasses. Yes. She's like, it's a harsh world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I literally wrote for what I remember how they have what each other is missing.
0: <laughs> so I the and, themes are subtle. I, literally.
1: Didn't, I didn't even look above that on this page to to read what we already read about. They're teaching each other how to act their age. I literally wrote that uh-huh. without any input. So yeah, clearly the theme is really just <laughs> beating you over the head. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I I remember that there's a romantic interest for uh, Brittany Murphy's character, and he's like another one of those like semi not the point you know romantic interests, uh, but he's there. Also the the teacup ride scene. That's <laughs> yeah. That's-
0: I'm like dreading the uh like the Coney Island
1: vibes. Yeah, personally. During the teacup scene is, like, when they, like, actually get into it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And um, I guess that's the climax in a way. But they both have, like, serious trauma in their lives. And it's just really sad. Like, it it gets unexpectedly sad. If I may take it from there.
0: I have no memories of this movie except for one thing, which is – That there's a room full of guitars at some point. I remember that, but I don't know what I'm walking into. (laughs) Uh, Dakota also has a pet pig, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yes. Yeah. Classic. Also, I am predicting there will be aerial footage of New York City.
1: Probably. That's pretty (laughs) much a guarantee. If it's not in the first three minutes, I'll be shocked. (laughs) Yeah, I'm expecting credits with it. Yeah. Actually, though,
0: one thing I do remember is that I think the movie opens when they're at, and they're at like a raging party yeah. and Molly is like partying she's like partying at the party. Yeah,
1: she's a mess. She's a mess. I think that's it. Yeah, I think I'm I think ready. We about covered it. I'm ready to take this ride. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm. It's also just so sad because it's Brittany Murphy on top I know. of everything.
1: <sighs> I can't believe she's been gone for eleven years. That's really sad. I know. I hate that. It's really unreal. I hate that. Yeah, this one. This one goes out to Brittany Murphy. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Seriously, (laughs) I'm sure we'll talk about this more later. Okay, Audrey.
0: All
1: right, we're gonna go watch the film. Maybe you should pop some popcorn and do it too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We will be back to discuss story. Finished viewing Uptown Girls approximately <laughs> <down> girl. <laughs> 10 minutes ago. They never. This film never features the song Audrey just began to sing, <laughs> and they also never say Uptown Girls, which I just or realized. They even
1: Uptown. They, they never, never say even uptown. say Downtown. They don't. They don't, don't really they refer don't. to the directions. And I wonder.
0: Would anyone even know? Like, if you weren't from New York, like, if you had no experience with New York, like, you would never know what that even means.
1: No, so it really doesn't matter. It's probably why they were like, eh. Eh, in what way?
0: As in, like, we don't need
1: to include the directions in the dialogue. Yes, I suppose so. Yeah.
0: Okay, so normally we go through our categories of what we didn't remember, what we did remember, plus many others. However... I didn't remember anything about this movie. So, at least for me, one of the categories has evolved into parts I appreciated.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, But Audrey... Same, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, because... there. I mean, there's a lot of things I forgot, I guess, but it wasn't, like, important to me. It it turned into more of an appreciation column. Right, right, right. Okay, so should we go over the things we appreciated first? Sure. Okay, you go first. Well... After we finished watching, I pretty much looked up every crew member Mm -hmm. (laughs) and was looking at their credits and whatnot. And we need to shout out the cinematographer Michael Ballhaus. Okay. Because he is the legend who shot Goodfellas, (laughs) The Departed, Gangs of New York, and Dracula, (laughs) um, which is obviously extremely well-known work. And the fact that he fully went off for this movie (laughs) is something I deeply appreciate. He would have already been, he was born in 1935, so he would have already been pretty old by the time this movie was shot. And the fact that he didn't look down upon it, you know, Mm -hmm. I like that. I appreciate that too. Yeah. On a much less nuanced note, Brittany
0: Murphy's hair looks amazing throughout this entire movie. Yeah. I was paying a lot of attention to her hair in this movie.
1: Yeah, I was I was going to shout out the editor, the wardrobe. Yes. Uh, Sarah Edwards. Yes. I actually have a story about wardrobe stuff, too, which maybe I'll share it later. Okay. And um, also, this is like a random side note, but this would have been in the midst of the Sex and the City craze because mm-hmm. that started in 98, that show. And the best friend, Ng... Reminds me a lot of Charlotte.
0: Yes, I definitely see that.
1: Yeah. And I feel like she was almost, like, modeled after Charlotte. Yeah, definitely.
0: Like, especially with, like, the very... She even kind of looked like her. Yeah. She's, like, the blonde version of Charlotte. Yeah. It was very that. And she was like, this is my nice apartment that's very organized and we have activities and we aren't messy. Like, that was her whole thing. Yeah, it was, it was like, the same character. Yeah. Also we both had a moment where in like the first 10 minutes where there was an outdoor shot and we were both kind of looked at each other. We both looked at each other and were like, was this actually on
1: location? And yeah. the entire thing was. Yeah, because they had referred to the fact that the love interest lives in the East Village and then Brittany Murphy's character goes to his apartment and we were like, I was just like, if this isn't New York, it's extremely well done. Like, yeah. Um, because I'm, we know the street. Mm-hmm. So it was, yeah, it was cool to see that in 2003. Yes. So for things that I feel like are better now or I can appreciate more now, I don't know if it's the writing or if it's the acting. It's probably both. But I feel like Dakota Johnson and Brittany— Murphy, Dakota Johnson. <laughs> oh, Johnson. That's a different Dakota. Dakota, Fanning. Dakota. I was reading about her earlier, so I feel like Dakota Fanning and Brittany Murphy were both portraying the type of person really well. Mm-hmm. Like. The writing might not be the most nuanced on the planet, but I do feel like it's pretty good. It's pretty decent at, like, portraying the two-sidedness of, like, both of their characters. Yeah. Because, like, with Brittany Murphy, she's, like, crying in the bathtub to her friend, like, how do I get this guy to leave? Like, I just want him to leave. And then as soon as he's like, I'm leaving, Uh she's a mess. Yeah, I had written a bunch about that, too. Like, I feel
0: like I always love seeing characters that are like that, especially women that are, like— super illogical, like, with the way that they conduct their relationships. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like so many woman characters are, like, very intuitive. And, like, when it comes to relationships and, like, making good choices,
1: they, or making yeah. choices
0: that are at least consistent, it makes sense. I thought that that thing in the beginning where she was like, I need him to leave, and then he leaves. And she's like, I'm going to die if you leave. Yeah. Was really interesting.
1: mm mm-hmm. I like that. Me too. And, um... Obviously then it's like showing her like abandonment issues and and the same goes for Ray. But theirs manifest in such a Yeah, they just manifest in like opposite ways. Yeah. And you can slowly see over the course of the film too, like them picking up traits of each other. Yeah. And like loosening up in certain ways and then like becoming more mature in other ways. Yes. So I think it's pretty well written. For being a four-person script. It really was, <laughs> is a
0: four-character.
1: Well, that's five. Well, no, I oh, meant, you like, mean with the, the writers. writers. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. a miracle it came out this well yeah. for having so many writers. I
0: have some, like, writerly notes that I want to talk about in the parts that are worse now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in general it was pretty good. And speaking of it being pretty good, there were actually some pretty funny lines. Yeah. Yeah. Because Britney Murphy is funny. Yeah. I was imagining all the different pairings that this movie could have supported. And I was like, thank God that this is the one they went it with. It was
1: so right. Yeah. Because if
0: Dakota Fanning wasn't as good as she was, this movie would have been like trash. Mm-hmm. She was amazing. Yeah. This movie. She's
1: amazing and so cute. She's so cute, but so like respectable at yeah. the same
0: time. <laughs> it's so weird.
1: Yeah. They have amazing chemistry. Yeah, they do.
0: Like, I fully believe it, you know? Yeah. I was looking up interviews earlier today of – I was trying to find one of the two of them together, but they didn't really exist. But there was a bunch of Brittany Murphy talking about how much she loved working with Dakota Fanning. Mm-hmm. And she was like, she made every day a joy. She taught me how to knit <laughs> on set, oh. like, just, like, gushing about yeah. this little girl, which was so cute. Yeah, yeah.
1: Honestly, like, when, once we hit the sad part of the movie, I just got more sad because it was Brittany. I know.
0: Like, she was just so good at what she did. Yeah. It's really, really sad to see someone who could be hanging with, like, you know how right now there's, like, so many more roles for, like— Skinny white women in their fifties, like that, like that could have been her. Mm
1: -hmm. She could have been up in the big little lies, yeah, right, right. little fires everywhere, the all that, yeah, you know, with the Alice and Janie. I mean, Alice Janie's older, right, but yeah, but I mean, very like
0: very Reese Witherspoon adjacent,
1: yeah. I mean, she's, I think they're a little younger.
0: She would be a little younger, maybe maybe like three years or four years, not that much, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I mean, it's hard to envision what her life would have been because we don't really even know her career she that well. She might not
1: have even been an actress later on. We don't yeah, know. Yeah, who knows? She did have a singing side thing. Yeah. Which was very interesting. There's so much we could say
0: about her, and we'll come back to her. But um, do you have more things that you...
1: I was noticing how well edited a lot of the music cuts were. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's too, like, nerdy. No, you should but, um, you should say a little
0: bit about that. Well,
1: like, there would be—we've uh, discussed diegetic and non-diegetic before. <laughs> it always comes up. But, like, something would happen in the scene where Molly is stressed or she's, like, down—she's, like, doom-spiraling. Mm-hmm. And then um, D.S. E. Ray started playing— within at the tail end of that scene and then it cuts to the next scene where that song is actually playing in Ray's room. Yeah. Just so like good clever stuff like that. I always appreciate that. Yeah definitely.
0: I guess these are a couple more artists like film artistry things. Um, I really enjoyed and was kind of like Almost thrown off by the choice of making Ray. So, in the movie, Ray's dad is in a coma, and they make this like really strong visual choice for his room to be like radiating white light. And yeah. that scene where she like decides to go into his room and she like steps into his room, and you're looking at it from the side, it's like this deeply symbolic image of her like crossing into the light. And I yeah. was like, dang. It's really that was really strong.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's this, like, long hallway, and she's, like, about halfway down, it, and she, like, the, the ha- hallway is dark, and she steps into this, like, white light, and then the door shuts, and it's just like, ooh.
0: Yeah. It's
1: very strong.
0: It was very strong. I also, this is not subtle, but I really liked all the spinning imagery. There was spinning in the actual camera angles, but then there was also lots of, like, Brittany Murphy circling Dakota, like, in different scenes. And then, like, lots of dancing, lots of spinning around. Like, and then the teacup thing. Like, it was a really strong motif throughout the whole thing.
1: Yeah, and you can tell, like, it's in the script. Mm -hmm. So they clearly, it's no coincidence. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. She's very dizzying. It's a very, like, dizzying movie. Yeah.
0: Also another writing moment that I thought was very unique and representative of Molly's character was when she was walking through Central Park after she gets fired and she's looking at all these different people and their relationships and like every single type of relationship she sees makes her sad because every relationship she's had like with anyone has fallen apart. Mm -hmm. It's like when you see people walking in the park when they're just broken up with and they see couples and they're sad it's like that but it's like a daughter and her father sad. Two best friends. Sad.
1: A guy. Like a couple. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I know. I was like, wait, that's like a real thing. I was like, like (laughs) yeah, that's such a vibe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Also, because I didn't remember anything about this movie, I was like. Very surprised by both things with Neil, the love interest. Like when Neil's sleeping with Ray's mom, and when Neil buys all the guitars, I was like, (gasps) Yeah, you're
1: really blindsided by that because it doesn't seem in his character because he's definitely the worst written character. Yeah, definitely. In the movie. Definitely. Even worse than the mom. Yeah. I mean, because at least
0: the mom doesn't have anything.
1: Yeah. And the mom is just like stone cold, you know? Yes. But yeah, you just. You don't see it coming because it's not, it doesn't seem like something he would do, or and you also don't know anything about him. Like about where where does he come from? Like what's his deal? Yeah. He's rich? (laughs) Question mark. He becomes rich because he signs the record deal. Right, but like
0: that's so unrealistic. Right, but it might be different. It might have been different then. All right. I think we are making a really organic transition into things that made less sense. Another thing with Neil, after Molly gets fired from Being the nanny, or being Ray's nanny, she, like, goes outside to leave, and Neil is there right then out of all times to, like, try to get her back, and I I bought it for some reason. Me too, I didn't (laughs) even think about (laughs) it. Well, the acting was so good that I was like, yeah, Yeah. but then I was thinking about it, and I was like, why is he there? there? How does he even, well, he does know where she she lives, obviously. Yeah, but. but also, that was the same day that Ray's dad died. So it's like the husband of the woman that he is having this affair with just died. Did he try to go and then did he get turned away and then he's standing there? And then really not bothered. Yeah, like there's just a lot going on with that. (laughs) That's like, what does this mean? I thought I have a feeling that an earlier draft of this script probably had a lot more to do with Molly trying to get her money back. Yeah, because I thought it was super weird that they were like, "All your money got stolen by like the person who was like executing your and parents." They, they never will bring and up then again. they never bring it up again. They're just yeah. like, "You're never getting it back." Sorry. And she's like, "Okay." Yeah, it's
1: set up like a Molly tries forty jobs movie, right? right. And then
0: it becomes something totally different. Yeah, it is set up just like that. Yeah, it, like how we were saying, she doesn't even end up getting the job nannying until a third of the way through yeah like she meets she meets Dakota Fanning at this party coincidentally which sounds weird out of context but like in (laughs) real life it makes sense
1: because her mom is there networking yeah yeah so Dakota's character comes in a little late when she actually gets the job and then but that's really what the movie is about so it's kind of yeah it just I just have a I thought it was very strange that they
0: never brought that back yeah
1: Yeah, like could that not have been a little just ding at the end of like, yeah, you know, we got him, or like he's in jail, or like yeah. something like that. They they never bring up any of it no. ever again. She accepts
0: it way too easily. Yeah, don't, don't you feel like she should have fought that more?
1: Yeah, I mean, clearly this type of thing has happened in the past, and it's not like in real life, and it's not yes. just, well, you know. That's it for you. Yeah, right. It's just like you're <laughs> shit out of luck. Like, like if you sue, um, that won't help you. And also if he comes back, which he won't, uh, <laughs> Um, he's going to jail and you're never going to see a penny again. And she's like, oh. She's like, so what should sh- I do and for he's like, money? And like, get a job. <laughs>
0: and she's like, okay,
1: I'll do that.
0: <laughs> oh, I also forgot one important thing that I – appreciated but also thought was dumb. Actually, I guess it could fall into things that are worse now or things that really date the movie. The scene where Molly is at this party and she's like about to make out with this girl. Yeah, in this, in or like with this woman in the context of a party game is like so 2003. Like, mm-hmm. once I when, when we finished the movie, I googled like Britney Madonna VMA kiss and it was the same year, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's a coincidence, but yeah, it was very like they couldn't
1: have known that when they I mean, shot it, right? But, but
0: it was just, I feel like the whole like really mainstream, like, like
1: fetishizing, uh,
0: yes, thank you, is what I'm trying to say, yeah, of like lesbians. Like in that sense, It yeah. was like very two thousand. But it's not
1: even like actual lesbians. Yeah, right.
0: No, no, no. It's like not actual lesbians.
1: <laughs> it's just like it's like women straight who girls are... like
0: making out. Yeah. Like I don't for, know.
1: Clearly for somebody else. Yeah, it's, yeah. It felt not. It felt very vintage. <laughs> yeah, but she doesn't do it because she gets distracted because she sees Ray's mom in the corner. Yeah. So she doesn't do they it. Don't
0: make out. But it was <laughs> weird. Um, I also thought that it was very strange that. After Ray's dad dies, and after Molly gets fired and whatever, when they're at the dance recital near the end, that Ray's mom is suddenly not an absentee mom. Yeah,
1: she's just doing her tutu. I was like, like, wait, and the pig is there. Why? And you're like, oh, we haven't even
0: talked about the pig. Yeah, the pig is a good addition to this movie, though. Yeah, the pig is really cute.
1: Which I do have an entire conspiracy theory about this movie. <sighs> That is, I mean, there are striking similarities between Eloise and Molly's character. Eloise of the Plaza. Yes. Yes. I mean, literally, (laughs) like, it's kind of like a combination of Ray and Molly are, are Eloise. That's really true. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, and I feel like it's not that crazy to think that Eloise was in, like, the Zeitgeist
0: yeah, I totally agree. Well, because that's the whole story of like unsupervised children of wealth in yeah. the in Upper New York and yeah. town, yeah.
1: Right. And
0: like, they're very like these opulent blonde, little girls. <laughs> right, right, right. And that actually ties into another thing that I wrote which is I kind of wanted more detail about like both Molly like Molly and Ray's lives. Like I thought it was weird that we never found out whether Molly had
1: a nanny or not. Um, you do. She does oh. say it. When did? Oh, she did. Yeah. Okay. She says it when she's telling Ray about what she did the day she found out her parents were killed in the plane. Oh, she yeah. She says my nanny came in and told me that their plane crashed. You're right.
0: Well, okay. Even with that being mm-hmm. said, I still kind of wish that I had known more about her relationship with her nanny. Yeah. It's very relevant to the story, yeah. and also like, was Ray's dad her? Advocate parent because her mom is really absentee. Like, was her dad her person? We never really get to know. You never
1: know. And you also get no hint of what Ray's parents' relationship was like. Yeah.
0: I feel like it was probably really good.
1: Yeah, but her mom is just so like her mom's not handling tash. Her mom's not handling things well, no.
0: really. I also felt like there were some missed opportunities in the script with, like, the specificities of nannying. Like, mm-hmm. I kind of wish that there was more details as personally as someone who's nannied for a lot of rich people in New York. Like, I kind of just wish there was, like, 10% more detail about stuff. Like, yeah. what do they eat? I know they have help, but still, like, I kind of wanted more of a world view. Building. Yes, world <laughs> building and, like, what's their routine? Like, we know she has ballet, but, like, what other yeah. really particular things? And we kind of get that at the beginning when she's like, I need to take my drug by this time. Yeah. And then that kind of goes away.
1: Yeah, because, like, I mean, this movie's one, a tight one hour and 32 minutes. They have a lot to accomplish in that time. Yeah. But so. why? But the beginning is so w-
0: weird for having such a little time. I like the beginning. Yeah. But still...
1: Yeah, it's a it's a sl- kind of a slow start, and then it gets really fast. Yeah. Literally only
0: because the acting is so good, yeah. it, like, never feels unnatural.
1: Yeah, they did a good, probably, the acting is what made it seem natural, but it sort of felt like a natural progression of a relationship between Ray and Molly. Yeah, they also had that really
0: long, really effective montage, which I yeah. think did a lot. they did
1: a lot in a short amount of time.
0: Also, the ending was extremely abrupt.
1: okay. Is it diegetic
0: or is it non-diegetic? What happened at the end? Because it's, th- it's it's happening in real life. It's
1: diegetic. Life, so it's
0: diegetic. Yeah. For some reason, those definitions never stick in my head. <laughs> there's this diegetic... You could, say,
1: you could say to yourself, it's non-diegetic if it's not in the movie.
0: Okay, got it. Like, if it's not the movie, IRL. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like that. <laughs> so there's this diegetic dance recital moment with all these guitars and... It's because the guy that was sleeping with Molly bought her dad's guitar collection. <laughs> it's like this very weird
1: ending. And then you just like. It's like, when did they have the time to plan this? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, oh, I, f- I forgot. They never even address the triangle between Ray's mother, Neil, and Molly. Yeah, they never even address it. It doesn't even get also, any airtime. <laughs> it gets
0: no airtime. I did forget to say, though, I was very touched by the fact that Molly organically finds the thing that she's good at.
1: Yeah. That was really well done. And, like, th- really, yeah, really organically. Like, yeah. th- not thru- forced.
0: It was like, thru- basically, what happens is Molly says she doesn't have any skill that she's good at. And she, throughout the movie, has been obsessively wearing this guy's jacket that she's like, borrowing or like stole after they slept together or something and she accidentally sets it on fire and then she fixes it up to like try make to it, hide it yeah to try to hide it but it ends up looking really really cool and then the guy wears it in his music video and then everyone's like molly can you make me one of those jackets yeah and i love that it was like her weird obsession with the guy that like <laughs> created her discovering this thing that she was good at
1: yeah I, l- just, I like I just, that, too. I just bought it. Yeah. But, like, when I say it that way, it sounds so <laughs> contrived. Like, it sounds so dumb, but when you see it when in the movie. When you see Brittany Murphy do it, yeah. it's just like, yeah. It's like, yeah, that is what you're good at. Like, yes, bitch.
0: <laughs> Get Get your line your that jacket.
1: <laughs> line that jacket with some, like, cow print. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How dated is this movie slash what problematic elements are there? I kind of feel like there was really only one truly noteworthy problematic thing, which there was just, like, some weird
1: stuff about Indian people. Yeah. Like, there was. And they came in with the Egyptian music as well. That's less because it was about sheets, but.
0: There was just some weird, weird. like, super, like, we're talking about Egyptian cotton sheets, so we're going to play, like. Like. Like, Egyptian sounding music? Yeah, like walk like an Egyptian. Yeah. Like it was just. And then, like, all the characters are white and very Bernie rich. <laughs> what? And very rich. Yeah. There were also, like, a couple throwaway lines that were just, like, 10% too much for now. Like when she was like, this is the kind of music you slit your wrists to. Oh, yeah. And just stuff like that, where it's like, <laughs> you wouldn't say that now, but, like, Sure, I it's guess. Kind of
1: humorous, yeah. I guess, for that time. Right. But. Okay. Is this movie still good? I mean, I think so. I think it's, there's still a lot to enjoy in it. And like the humor pretty much holds up. Yeah. And the um, like emotional stakes of it, I think, hold up too.
0: I think so. I think there were some parts of the interactions with Molly and Ray that were a little bit weird. Like, when Molly was crying on her and stuff, I was like, I
1: don't yeah. know
0: about that. Well, I
1: feel like the messiness of that is, like, I appreciate that it's not perfect. It's like, you know, the way that they're treating each other, it's not perfect. Yeah. It's just how it's going down. Yeah, it's like, that's true. Like, literally, Ray slaps her twice and then Molly slaps her back. I'm like, this is a child. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they're like... You just slapped a child. That's a good point though. Yeah.
0: About it not being perfect. Like, everyone is so messy. Yeah. But especially them.
1: Yeah. But I feel like they are... They're learning so much from each other, even though it's like not a model relationship. Yeah, definitely.
0: It's also noteworthy to backtrack and be like, <laughs> we're giving it a lot of room. Like, if it was a if it was a movie about like an abusive couple, we wouldn't be like. But they're learning yeah. from each other. Like, <laughs> yeah. this is like a very particular kind of like the way you would like smack your sibling yeah. or something. It's, it's not very you're not sisterly. like smacking the shit out of each no, other. No, it's
1: light. It was pretty light. It was pretty light. Also... But they're not sisters. No. So
0: it is different. Yeah. And one of them is supposed to be a caretaker.
1: Yeah. But, like... But clearly... But, like, who's really the caretaker? Like the child is the... adult. Who's the child? <laughs> um, yeah, we're really giving... Yeah, don't think we're like... You know what? It's fine that she slapped this shit out of <laughs> it's, it's fine that Brittany Murphy slapped the shit out of Dakota <laughs> Fanning at Coney Lisa Island. support it. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, I really have to thoughts about my final statement kind of on the movie. The first thing is my initial thought was, I don't see why kids would like this movie. Yeah, no, but now that I'm thinking about it a little bit more, I think that little kids come to this movie for Dakota Fanning
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then they stay for a couple things. <laughs> they stay because they have to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they stay, they stay for the outfits. First of all, On Brittany Murphy. But then second of all, I think that like seeing, if you're, I don't really think many eight-year-olds would watch this movie. But like even if you're like 10 or 12 or maybe even 13, seeing this girl be so like buttoned up and like such a non-conventional character for a little girl, I think would be cool as a kid to be like, oh, she's not like exclusively wanting to play princess and, like, have crushes on boys and stuff. Like, she's mm-hmm. just, like, this very particular weird kid. Like, I feel like if you were a weird kid and you saw this movie, you'd be like, oh, she's weird, so it's fine that I'm weird.
1: <laughs> I would like a testimonial. <laughs> if you're out there, <laughs> I you feel know. represented by Dakota Vanneke. Yeah, like, I don't know if that's true. I mean, it's true, a reach. But it's a reach. <laughs> I hope it is true.
0: <laughs> I think it's a reach. But my main point is, This movie would be nothing without its casting.
1: Yeah. This is
0: like a little tribute to Brittany Murphy. I saw this fact online about something from behind the scenes of the movie, and I thought it was like really touching and sweet and also tied into the movie really well. So in this first scene where Molly goes to pick up Ray, she's wearing this denim overall (laughs) outfit. It's like an overall dress It's like the top half is overalls and the bottom is a dress. Yeah. I actually think it's like culottes or something but it doesn't really matter but basically i'm just gonna read you what this says The denim dress Molly wears when picking Ray up from school for the first time is a vintage dress from the 70s that belonged to the costume designer's sister, Kate, when she was 12, that had been hand-customized by a babysitter. The name Kate was bedazzled on the back of the dress, but Brittany Murphy opted to wear a backpack to cover it up rather than ruin the history of the dress by removing the name. The name can still be seen briefly a few scenes later.
1: Oh, I even noticed the backpack too. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's a cute backpack. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that like really that's cute? That's so nice. That feels very... I feel very true to the feeling that people have about her. Yeah. And also
0: I think it's a really sweet sign of respect to like the sacred relationship of babysitters and their kids that they watch. Yeah, Like everyone has a babysitter that they can think of where they're like, oh, that was a cool person who watched me. Like I feel, well, not everyone, no. but <laughs> I feel like especially for little girls, it's kind of a thing. Like I've had a lot of very emotionally rich relationships with kids that I've nannied before, especially little girls, um, just because it's, like, fun and you feel like you're this cool, like, mentor to them. And I just appreciated that this movie respected that kind of dynamic so Yeah,
1: you don't see that very often. Yeah. And Brittany Murphy would be the best babysitter of all time. Yeah, like, (laughs) hands down. Like, if I was a casting director and someone was like, okay, who's, like, the cool Manhattan nanny at that time? I'd be like, yeah. Yeah. Brittany Murphy you would definitely buy it. Yeah. I'm glad this movie exists and that she was in it. Yeah, definitely. I feel like this
0: movie really captures, like, the funness of her super yeah. well. Kind of in a similar way to Clueless. Like, she didn't take herself super seriously. No. And, like, she just lifts you up in this movie. It's so, yeah. it's so heartwarming to see her just, like, goofing around so much. hmm So, in the end, this movie... I do not remember anything, and I really heavily enjoyed my
1: viewing of it today. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I still had it (laughs) semi-fresh in my mind, but it's always a bit of a tearjerker for me, but I also cry at everything. So (laughs) I cry at literally every movie we're going to talk about, except for, like, maybe two or three, (laughs) are tearjerkers for me, so. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see which one makes you cry (laughs) next. Pretty much a guarantee. So, (laughs) all right. Well, we hope you enjoyed this. I hope you watched the movie. (laughs) Me too. Um, And if you didn't, uh, I would suggest that you rewatch it or watch it for the first time. I think there's a lot to be taken from it, even in 2020. Just a fun time as well. Agreed. So we will catch you on the flip side. (laughs) Bye. Bye. you can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com sleepover cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at tupingpictures.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at tupingpictures, and would love to hear from you there.
0: And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share an episode of your choice with your friends. And maybe even leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts and is edited and produced by me, Hannah Ray Leach. Special thanks to mixing engineer Sean Rule Hoffman and executive producers Michael D'Aloya and David Moss. Our show music is by Josh Perlman Hall.
1: We'll chat again soon. Bye. Um. Somebody come get her.
0: I need to adjust the tripod again. I'm sorry for stabbing you.
1: You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rock Star and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready? of a Film Star. And